most like the two biggest YouTubers in the maker world of Colin and uh, the Hacksmith sort of basically farting around together. It's like, you know, you always want to see them two collaborate. Is there any bigger? I can't think there's any bigger. There aren't any bigger maker YouTubers. I don't think. I mean, they're both 10 million each subscribe on 13 for Colin. 13 for Colin, yeah. And 10, you know, between them. I don't think there's anyone bigger in terms of makers on YouTube. I mean, people talk about, like, you know, your Jibbies, your Bobs, and um, the other guy, David, whose name I always seem to forget. But their follower counts, you know, they're in the, they might be in the, million, like, a million-ish. But a couple, couple Colin, of million for some of them. But, yeah. yeah, compared to that, it's nothing, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, Bobby Duke's about four or five now, isn't he? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Roper. He's, he's the other. Oh, yeah. Mark Roper. He's uh, yeah. 15 million? He's got to be up there. Yeah, but he didn't Mark Rover go uh, viral because of his um, revenge antics on scammers or something? If I remember rightly, where he gave he was, quite a lot of fame from, yeah, yeah, uh, that, he's doing pretty well though. I think. Yeah. And also, the yeah. squirrel thing, the squirrel thing, was a yeah, that went viral. Um, yeah, Alan in the chat has suggested Adam Savage, but I think Adam's only got about five million. Yeah. Numbers don't matter. It's just yeah, they well, don't. So so yeah, yeah. I mean, I would suspect if you asked uh, any of the people who were at Colin's little gathering, you know, who who they think the biggest maker on YouTube is, they would probably all say Adam Savage instantaneously. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm quite surprised that his number isn't as high as um, Colin or uh, the Hacksmith. Um, just, I would have thought with his background with Mythbusters, he mm. would have attracted a far higher following, but then, like you say, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do the, he doesn't do the viral stuff. Yeah, true. None of his videos are particularly the kind of the stuff, the sort of thing that would go viral. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I would, for want of a better phrase, there's serious making. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's looking at the ins and outs of making. Yeah, he's yeah he's talking about stuff yeah. like MythBusters. Yeah, it's not going to attract some. Yeah. He he'd pick like a, a video on anything, a screw, and he'd do an hour long video on it, and you would just watch it intently and enjoy it so much. Yeah, and it won't get much I mean, traction other than maybe us lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's nerded out on like storage solutions yeah. and the way he sort of built the hammer rack, and he was like, Oh, I really want to do this hammer rack. And he, at the end of it, when he was finished, the amount of excitement he had in the way he had decided that he was going to store these hammers, it was like a little kid had just been given the best yeah. Christmas gift ever. And that kind of enthusiasm is, its well, one, it's hard to fake, and two, it's infectious. It, <laughs> you see that and you think, oh, I want to do a storage solution like that. It's part of the reason why I end up doing all the storage stuff at the yeah. hack space, and I sort of nerd out on that. And also, 
blame Andy Pugh for that one as well when he was going, oh yeah, I'm just going to organise the men's shed. Yeah, cheers for that, Andy. Certainly yeah. after the tool storage. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Like... 12 months later. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, 11 months later. I'm still working on it. We all are. <laughs> yeah. You get dropped it's because there's other people there all the time. It's like, yeah. I'm wanting stuff. Maybe to it. Maybe to it. I'll, I'll, I'll just get it done in a week. It's 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 an ongoing job. It's hard enough to organise our own workshops, let alone someone where, where there's people constantly coming and going, moving stuff around behind your back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is true. I I mean, we've taken the approach at the Hackspace now of just doubling up on tools in each of the sections so that there's no reason to move a set of screwdrivers from the work uh, wood workshop into the electronics area or into the metalworking area. They should all be in designated spaces. In theory, that should work. However, <laughs> however, on Tuesday, despite... So in the hack space, we've got the electronics workbenches along the back wall. And then we have a cable rack with um, modular cable rods that is apparently really clever uh, with a load of VDE screwdrivers on there. Yeah, someone still ended up going into the woodworking shop to grab the normal screwdrivers to bring them into the electronics area when the screwdrivers are literally like three desks away. It's yes. Yeah. So it is something like that. That that's kind of possibly down to I need a screwdriver. I know where the screwdrivers are. That they're in the woodwork yeah. area, and possibly not having recognised that there are screwdrivers in the electronics area. I mean, so that stuff happens all the time. Yeah, the, yeah, it does. I mean, eventually, they're not in the most obvious place. You do have to know that they're there. But at the same time, it's like... It's oh, there you go, yeah. Ongoing project. It's an ongoing ongoing project. Like, you know, like Chris was saying about organising your own workshop, it's just an ever-evolving thing where you're constantly changing every time you change projects. I mean... Chris, the number of things that you switch between yeah. um, on a regular basis. It's great. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I just want to make yeah. all the things and have yeah. all the things to make all the things and then see something yeah. else. Yeah. yeah you, you guys can relate. I thought, yeah, but ideally you need a thousand foot, square foot workshop to subdivide it into areas, each with their own set of tooling. Yeah. So it depends. Uh, so yeah, it so it does depend on the tooling that you want. But if you want full size CNCs with a five axis CNC machine in there somewhere, an office area, some clean areas, thirty two meters by twenty is the ideal size where everything fits in. You've got walking space and you've got space for toilets in there because you don't want to run into the house if you need to use the toilet. And you've also got a little kitchenette area. Just that's the <laughs> kind of size I've mapped out. 640 square metres. That's that's about 6,000 square feet. Yeah, just about. 1,000 square feet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we are talking about four giant-sized CNC machines here, like, you know, full <laughs> 8D4 CNCs for metal and for wood. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a five-axis CNC, because everybody needs a five-axis CNC machine. Yeah. Just put it next to yeah. the water jet. 
be fine. Yeah, precisely. And you need, and obviously you would need the smaller CNC machines as well, because you you're not going to fire up the big eight b four every time you want to cut like a small piece that's like two b two or something. You know, that's just why would you do that? You would just fire up the small Wazer or whatever. <laughs> and then and then you need your PCB one as well for sort of etching your yeah. own. Yeah, that and that fits into the small electronics area. Uh, and by small, I mean the size of a double garage. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I wish. Yeah, I think we all wish. Yeah, it's yeah. But you're right. But you're right though. Both of you, it's it is a never-ending battle to sort of do things, and particularly. Like, we're all constrained for space. Mm. Yeah, certainly this side of the Atlantic, we're all constrained for space. And then you decide to get one different tool. As, I, as, as I've talked about a couple of times, I think already, and, and Chris, you know, for a while you've been badgering me about it. Yeah, the, the, uh, I bought an, an air cleaner. Yeah. I our AC400 a couple of months ago now. It's been sat on the floor in the tinkerage, which basically means it's mm. taken up the entire floor because there's not much floor space. And it's like, right, I need I need to fit it in. I need it's yeah, it's essential. I need to protect my lungs. Yeah, wearing a mask is fine, but yeah, as soon as you take your mask off, if you there's small space, if you don't clear the air, then you may as well not have had the mask on. And it's like, where does it go? Ceiling's six foot two, so you know, within his arm's reach. I mean, I'm short, but I'm not that short that I can't I can mount it to the ceiling and walk under it. So it's like it's taken me several weeks to kind of work out a where it's going to go and it's taken me the best part of a week to actually get it in place but now i've got to fit everything else back in because i've lost a huge stack of space yeah it's because it's not just the tool it's all the yeah because yeah, right. yeah. anyone that's familiar with the tinkerage knows that stuff is crammed in there and yeah, yeah okay yeah yeah I'm, uh, my name's andy i'm a bit of a hoarder um but yeah i've got a got to get the space working and yeah i've spent all day uh, at least half of yesterday and a fair bit of time today just sort of getting some different storage up for screws and things like that because a lot of that i lost some of that space but now i've got other things that are now that are still taking up space in the conservatory and i've got to get those in somehow and it, it's it's odd stuff you know it's like you know, tubs of string you might think, okay, well, you need a tub of string. Well, actually, yeah, I, I use that a lot. <laughs> it's surprising how much string you use, and but having different strings for different purposes. There's there's a solution, of course, is to um, just convert that conservatory into another workshop. <laughs> yeah, that that would that would well. To be honest, if I was on my own, it, the conservatory wouldn't. The conservatory would not be the place I'd be converting. Yeah, the living dining room that I'm in at the moment would become a significant part of the workshop. Yeah. But yeah, yeah my family might have something to say about kind of, yeah, losing yeah. one bedroom to an office, another bedroom to kind of a living room relaxation space, and the entire ground floor being turned into a workshop and kitchen. Yeah, but your kids are nearly at the age where you can kick them out. So. <laughs> Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always said that 
realistically, house-wise, I could have, as long as I've got a living room and a very small, like a small bedroom, I'll be fine as long as I've got space for a separate office and a workshop somewhere. Like literally, I can settle for that. So two bed, two bed house with a garage. Happy days. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that because. I can do quite a fair bit, and it means my office is no longer in my uh, in my bedroom, which the whole separating work life and everything else yeah. out is a little bit more challenging in that scenario. I've got to admit, it's uh, it's not easy. Although I think um, Dave met, uh, just said it's something in the chat that he's got a bigger workshop than most people, yet everyone else has way better organisation. It's because in a small workshop, that organization is key. I mean, Andy, you're, mm. uh, you're a classic example of that with the Tinkerage. And same, Chris, with you. You know, you've got so many different things. You need that organization yeah. because otherwise it would just be like you wouldn't be able to get anything done. It's forced upon you. Yeah, 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 totally, utterly. And I actually live in proof of that because I haven't been able to do much in there because, mm. yeah, but one... Because I'm now down to one workbench now. Install the lathe. I'm only down to one workbench, and that's just completely chocker with with stuff at the moment. Yeah, unfinished stuff, things to repair, tools, the stuff that yeah, in fact, to fit some of the storage in, I had to take my screwdriver rack off, which is quite big. But all screwdrivers have gone somewhere. The rack's sitting on the floor. But there's no space to put that rack back up, so I need, need to make a new rack. And yeah, a stack of other tools. You know, I'll take some down some other tools. Ones that I don't need to hand. Yeah, so yeah, I, I don't need to have a uh I can't remember what the proper name for it is. The, the the that special tool for putting wires into a BT socket. It's a special yeah. Oh the in, the insert tool. Yeah, the insert tool. I've oh, got I've, I've got a proper one. Yeah, I've got I've got yeah. a kind of a proper proper yeah. one, not just a little plastic one. Mm. I don't need that hand. I don't need that to hand. So that can go in a drawer. But to get that in a drawer, I need to clear the stuff out of the drawer next. Yeah. It's just like it's all the lock on little battles, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah I've got a set, I've got a set of drawers that are half full of just electronic assorted electronic components yeah interesting yeah. ones yeah not not so much the tiny sort of not we're not talking resistors mostly things like switches and lamps and yeah. buzzers kind of bigger stuff it's like mm, don't need those in drawers well the drawers are convenient but actually i might be better off using those for tools because they're, they're little shallow drawers so. yeah it's i mean it but again it's when you cross over multiple different disciplines it's you're always going to have lots of different things i mean i envy the the wood uh, the woodworkers because all they generally need to store is like material wood whereas people who like to do 3d printing metalworking uh, electronics and you know all the other stuff it's not just wood that they're storing they're storing electrical components they're storing spools of filament they're storing sheets of metal and angle iron and welding kits and all of that stuff it it just escalates and escalates to a point where you're thinking wait 
am I just now getting hobbies for the sake of getting hobbies? Or should I actually start doing stuff? Because I, I kind of feel like that at times as well, where I'm like, okay, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is woodworking, but at the same time, a lot of the stuff I have is just general purpose kit. And, you know, I mean, I'm looking at a set of um, sheet metal cutters, um, aviation snips. And I'm like, yeah, but how often am I going to use them? Mm -hmm. Not very often. But if I have them, and then I might use them more often, and it's that justification. It's like, oh, yeah. And I think, I think, I think sometimes it's a case of, I mean, I've been collecting tools for a long time. Yeah, yeah I've got, I've got tools that are older than you two. And and that's not just stuff. I, I mean, that's not stuff I inherited yeah. from my dad. Yeah, that's stuff I've bought. Yeah, yeah. those are tools that I bought new. And yeah, it's. It, I think there's very much a case of buying tools when you need them, rather than buying yeah. tools because you might need them. Okay, there are some things. Yeah, you know, having you know some basic household tools. If you're not a maker, but just having some basic yeah. household tools around, so you can kind of deal with a a broken plug or a, a minor piece of plumbing or something like that. I think everyone should have things like that. Yeah. Typically, yeah, it used to be the kitchen drawer. You know, you would have that, that junk drawer. You know, but I think when you're kind of a maker, I think kind of don't buy a tool till you, you know you're going to use it. Yeah. I mean, I've, recently started on the buying my own tools because all the tools I've used previously were ones that I basically in house already so they were either my dad's or my granddad's and I've as there's been sort of numerous sales and offers and whatever else the past 12 months I've acquired a rather a, a nice collection of tools um, but they're all they're not like the like the aviation snips I mentioned, they're not anything like that. They're all like, you know, screwdrivers, hex keys, pliers, plier wrenches. The the ones that if my brother calls me to his house to fix something at his house, it's a case of, right, I'm just going to grab that bag, grab the drill case, and I'm away. Uh, and that's kind of the route that I've gone down. But now I'm going to be in a position where it's like, right, I've got all the essentials. Now time to look at the ones that I'm actually going to use for makery stuff. So, yeah, there's the, like I say, the aviation snips and the... Sort but of you do have the advantage of making space to go to. Yeah, I do as well. That is also a, a massive plus. And, uh, but then, again, in the maker space, it's... Oh, we could do with these tools, and it's like, oh, they're in out, they're in little for like really cheap. I'll just grab them, and suddenly it's like, yeah, I think a lot. I think like it's getting to a point now where I think about fifty percent of the tools in the uh, hack space actually mine, which is like, oops. But I mean, you know, Chris, I'm guessing you'll know a little more about that because when you set the make a space up with james i'm guessing you had to yeah. put a lot of your own kit in there a lot of it was our first 3d printer was a old old prusa that i cobbled together this was before even james even had a 3d printer 
we were giving him advice on 3D printing. I mean, tables are turned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, half of it was um, pretty much the trustees, personal tools, yeah. and whatever we could sort yeah. of get donations from. And it, it's, it's difficult, though, because you have to be careful because it can go too far where you're getting all these donations thrown at you to the point where yeah. you're fighting off real crappy tools and you you do have to turn away stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, we take the policy at the moment of if it's better than what we have, we'll take. If it's mm. not, then we'll turn away because otherwise, yeah, we'd have ended up saddled with like a lathe that has no chuck and no mortar. Or a planer that's a, a one yeah, ten volt a with no transformer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it, it can be. A, we take a slightly different problem. approach with the shed. We tend to just take everything. Anything that's sent, yeah. if somebody says, "Oh, well, yeah, do you want some tools?" Nine times out of ten, we'll go. We'll just say yes. We'll take it, and then we will kind of we'll have a look at it and kind of go. Okay, we it's better. Yeah, it's better than we've got, or it's something we don't have. Or obviously, there's the the more slightly more common situation of, yeah, it's not as good as what we've got. Yeah, we will then pass it on to other sheds that are maybe not in quite the position we are. Because there's a few sheds locally that are just starting up, so they have nothing or very little. So we'll kind of pass yeah. it on. We had a we got given uh, a radial arm saw now we'd already been given one previously and the before i sort of joined back on again and they got rid of it and get off the another one it's like no they don't they didn't want it they, they take up quite a large amount of space they are notoriously dangerous um and certainly sort of problematic did you compare them against a, a mitre saw or a table saw they have their place and if you know what you're doing, they're a very, very powerful and useful yeah. machine, but not in a communal workshop with people who generally aren't uh, practicing enough or have the skills to be able to use it properly. But yeah, we kind of basically said, yeah, we'll take it. And then we kind of called around and went, hey, I want a radial arm saw. And yeah, somebody went, yeah, we'll, we'll have it because they yeah. fit a table saw. And it might be that they do have people that have got experience of it or, you know, there's a, there's a couple of sheds that we've had contact with where they've actually got paid, a paid person who's a, kind of their workshop manager, uh, who's, you know, responsible to make sure that people are trained, they're responsible for keeping things going. Yeah, it, it's, for that, it's a, probably a much better situation. Uh, yeah, the, so one of our Hackspace members, he's the shed manager at the Red Cow Men's Shed and they they're implementing a system where each of the tools has a qr code on there and it'll tell you whether you're trained on there it'll tell you who's responsible for maintenance when it was last maintained like a whole heap of stuff that's gonna get incorporated on there and he got that idea from us having qr codes linked to the wikis on the various tools and he's just sort of went yeah Let's escalate that significantly. And it's, it sounds like a great system. And the one that um, Duncan's working on as well with 
um, using the key fobs to access tools. Um, that's again another system that I think is a really clever system to implement. And it's yeah, there's a couple of hackers. How did you out there. how did you kind of tackle that? It, it is very much you just everyone knows you're not allowed to use that tool in, until you've been trained on that tool, and mm. it works. There's enough. It's because it's an old established makerspace. It works quite well. We did think about um, London Hackerspace had a system where you could physically not even turn the tool on without unlocking it. And we did consider doing that. We thought, no, do you know what? Hmm. These are not children. We're responsible enough to, you know. And it does seem to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was speaking to Eric from Stockholm Makerspace at Maker Central, I was saying this earlier in the. Hmm. Um, to one of the guys, um, like some of the stories he was telling us about people make having mishaps with the tools, where he'd stick a new t circular saw blade in there, and somehow someone would chip a tooth on it, and it's like, how? <laughs> like, and they managed to bend the blade or overheat it, and I'm like, how much force are you putting through a blade to be able to overheat one of those things? And he, and it's not like he was because he replaced me. He was saying, "Look, it's a brand new blade. It was a decent quality blade." And somehow, someone again, and you can't for the best one in the world. You can't legislate against that. You can't mitigate that, and it's really tough. But at some, I mean, somehow there'll be a system that'll exist out there. But I haven't come across it yet. Yeah, this is why hackerspaces should not have nice things. <laughs> just cheap <laughs> things that can be easily replaced yeah yeah I, I, there's something to be said for that i mean yeah I, I, we i mean it's a men's place we shared we do have some new tools you know things that we've been given donated money and you know the old tools are broken but like i say well, yeah we, we've been through a few blades on kind of you know table saw mitre saw uh yeah it's something's just just the natural wear and tear particularly in a combined a, a community workshop with lots of people are using a tool it's surprising how quickly it's sim no sim no difference really to a a, a professional workshop you know yeah. i mean yeah most of us working at home you know on a table saw mitre saw i mean, I, I think i'm only on my second mitre saw blade and i bought that 20 years ago and I, yeah, because I don't use it that often. I've got another one ready to go because it's it's reaching its its end of life now. Yeah. But yeah, that's like one every ten years. Mm. That's it's, the amount of use it gets. It doesn't get heavy amount of use. Yeah. The men showed, yeah, we're on blade number two or three in less than a year. But then it's cutting a lot of MDF. It's cutting a lot of uh, pallet wood, pressurized timber. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all stuff that actually yeah increases the wear and tear compared to using yeah. hardwoods yeah rather than just kind of you know, cutting pine or plywood which is what i tend to cut yeah it's i mean consumables you're always going to have that i mean one of the things with not having the nicer stuff is some of the nicer stuff has better safety features or like in the case of like your hand power tools, um, they'll, some of them will have you know your better dust extraction capabilities, and they are generally a little bit safer. I 
as much as I would like to be able to say, yeah, it'd be best to do that, I would tend to go towards, I'd rather have something that I know is safe for, like, so safe that a monkey can use it without making a complete hash of it and injuring themselves, basically. You know, you could if you could teach a monkey how to use it without hurting themselves, I think you'd be all right. Whereas some of the old circular saws where they didn't even have a blade guard, that's just like, yeah, I'd rather not anyone's messing with those kind of things. Yeah, we, we yeah. did straight in stapler, nailer stapler mm. uh, about a month ago. We hadn't, it never, never been used. And it just, as, it, as in we'd never used it, it was quite old, an old Bosch green, uh, but the old green, not the, not the kind of newer green. Yeah. And the fact that you didn't have any kind of safety trigger on it. So as most nailers, yeah, you, you have to press it against the piece before it will fire. Mm. No, this thing would fire, just, just point it across the room and fire it. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of games. So yeah, it was case of right. That, that's not even going to another shed. That's shot the lead off stick the lead in a the spares box and pop that in the pin because it's just not not safe for anyone to use yeah it's yeah but i mean we've got a tray of stuff which is don't use it as a tool but strip it down and take out the components and use the mortar or whatever you need out of it basically because you know some of them still have functioning mortars or if people want to take stuff apart that's not like a tech-based item, it's like an old tool, go go for it, take it apart. Um, yeah, Tom makes a good point. As much as you try to make things idiot-proof, people make better idiots. So, yeah, and that, that's the case of it. Even if you have really safe tools, yeah, yeah. you train people, and you, you still got to keep an eye on everything, make things yep. going. Uh, exactly. Uh, Chris, uh, for the benefits of anyone kind of watching, wondering where Jim is, Jim, not feeling very well mm. tonight, so because uh, stepped in at the last minute to uh, cover for Jamie. Um, so, Chris, uh, Chris, it's two years and nearly two months since you were on last. You were our first ever guest on episode number two. Really? Yeah, 105 episodes ago. I must mean I've known you for what? Nearly five years. Well, a bit longer than that, I think. Actually, I think we've known each other, but uh, yeah, two years for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's what's been happening? Ah, that's more of the same. Um, came back from Maker Central, as many of us did, all motivated and geared up, and but also you were tough. you were busy at Maker Central. You you were just yeah. You did you did the same in twenty nineteen. You were you were stuck on the gorilla. Blue stand yes. on 2019. I mean, and this year you were stuck on Vectric. I don't think um, I saw you. No, it was it was better this time because Vectric, um, they weren't paying me. They were just paying the hotel and bar bill and food and stuff and travel. So they let me actually have a look around and roam around and enjoy the show a bit, which is good. Um, and to be honest, I, I could have spent all weekend on their stand anyway because all I was doing the whole time is just chatting to people about making stuff on CNC's, which I could do all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I've got to, I've got to say, seeing you on that stand all day, like across both days, I hats off to you, mate. It was, I've done exhibitions where I've had to stand on, like stand on, you know, talk to people all day, and by the end of it, like I say, by the end of it, about halfway through the day, I'm ready to disappear. Like I have, you know, I was lucky. I have my boss with me. He's he's able to take over for a bit and I can just slip outside, go for a drink and coffee and, you know, just get my bearings a little bit. But you didn't seem to move off of that stand at all. Uh, I, I got a break. Um, Sean uh, from Kids Event Stuff dragged me off at right. some point and showed me the free, the nice quiet area with free coffee that the exhibitors could take advantage of. So I was like, ah, oh, this is nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Lucky you. Yeah. We but, I mean, yeah. to be honest, I, I wasn't that busy. If you look at um, the likes of Colin or Jimmy, or you know, they just had queues and queues of people and just had to put on their persona the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, exhibiting, you've got to have, yeah, being on constantly. Yeah. I mean, I've, like I say, I've done it where I've been at conferences and ex exhibitions and whatever else. And, yeah, being on constantly, that professional uh, sort of facade, not so much a facade, but just that making sure you're not saying the wrong thing to the wrong person. Yeah. It's yeah. it's hard. It is really hard. And to do it across a whole weekend for that length of time, yeah, I mean, to every exhibitor who was at Maker Central, like, you know, honest hats off to them because... It takes a certain kind of stamina to do and i yeah i have the utmost respect for people who who were able to do it i was just running on pure enthusiasm the whole weekend <laughs> loving it and yeah. um and, and didn't get to go home immediately afterwards of course that was um yeah no you didn't did you yeah yeah, yeah. there was and um, do you want to tell everyone what you got up to afterwards yeah, if there's benefits of folk who are not yet following you yeah, on wrong. Instagram, and if they do then decide to go back through, yeah, where did you go? Yeah, we took a little trip to Colin's new workshop and had some fun there. And the, the well, the imposter syndrome was very high, I can tell you. And um, especially when the hacksmith turned up, and, yeah. Yeah, because there were a few, yeah. there, were, there were a lot of big names there. Yeah, all good makers, all absolutely great people as well. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of big names out there that are a bit. Yeah, I won't name names, but there are a few <laughs> idiots out there. They've got their on-screen persona, and off-screen they can snub you. Not these guys. Uh, they're all just solid. Yeah, yeah they... it was because uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head of the Ruth was there, but Sean wasn't. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Sean wasn't feeling 100%. Then, uh, look, mom, no computer. Yes, Sam made it Take, there as well. In and it was it was really nice to meet him properly because the whole weekend he was even more swamped. Um, so being able to catch up with him, that was absolutely great. Yeah, um, the, the two people who made the Iron Man suits as well, they were there. Yeah, Emily the Engineer. Emily the Engineer. And you may have seen on there, feeds they got to go on colin's weightless machine yeah um, they're actually well, flying well, around in their suits we, we all had a go to, to be honest um 
but yeah, in a full Iron Man suit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was just amazing to see. Even better yeah, to see um, um, James the Hacksmith with his 360 camera whizzing it around his head while on that thing. Yeah, kind of yeah, gives that... like bullet time effect, doesn't it? Almost. Yeah. Time effect? Yeah. It's a, yeah, it somehow points at you still when he's sort of swinging it around, and yeah, yeah. the The three sixty cameras are quite cool because they they they're on a tether. From I've not seen one in person yet, but apparently they are on a tether. Yeah, but they are smart enough to delete themselves the yes. tether out of that. They they, that they would actually live delete that tether because yeah. they know that that's there. Um, yeah, and um, it's. So when we did our um, hab launches, we used the same camera, and it it deleted. It. That's how and that because my boss would say this is fantastic because it deletes itself out of the thing. And yeah, James obviously uh, using it, and it's like oh, I've not seen them. And then <laughs> suddenly everybody's talking about them as well, and yeah. I'm like, have, have have people mentioned this? And I've just not paid attention because it's. Yeah. Insta, I, mean, insta, I hear the words. Insta, I mean, they've been around like, for a while. Oh. I mean, they've been around for a yeah. while. I, I'm, obviously, they've been evolving. I mean, they're getting smaller yeah. now. I mean, the latest one is just tiny. The uh-huh. latest Insta 361 is just yeah. absolutely tiny. The, the guys from Strora, the parkour guys, they literally uh-huh. were holding them in their mouths while they're doing parkour. Um, nice. uh, uh, Gravity Industries, the jet suit people, they've been using one for yeah. a couple of years now. Yeah, just it comes off the side of the suit, and yeah, just yeah. you do sometimes get little artifacts where where it's deleting the uh, the pole, the selfie stick. I wonder a better phrase. Yeah, where it's uh, yeah, in the same way as you get with sometimes you know, like at the moment it comes with you, you got you you got your blur on in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing it catches the the, the earphones, the headphones, and makes it yeah. look just a little bit odd. Yeah, you know, it's like part of, it, part of it disappears, or part of your head disappears. Yeah, and yeah, yeah it, you yeah. get those little artifacts. That's just going to improve with as the technology yeah. improves. Stuff like that yeah, will just it, not happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, when I, I think on the first time I appeared on this, I think the, no laptop camera to try and blur an image with a laptop camera that i had it was just awful like it would it was like i was asking the laptop to run some sort of heavy computer computational algorithm to design a building and it was was just blurring a bloody background and it just couldn't handle it so eventually i was like right you know what i'm not gonna bother i'm just gonna leave it and even if i put a a virtual background on it would still have a little bit of a uh, of a fit with it as well yeah yeah a bit problematic yeah but chris yeah. do you find that i mean obviously yeah that was a good bunch of people to be around i know you said kind of imposter syndrome but yeah do you find that kind of inspiring even maybe more so than being a makers yeah it was it was weird being the odd one out i mean technically we're all all of us odd one out as if less than kind of here yeah i mean we're, we're all subscribers yeah te- technically full-time youtubers but they just happen to have personal channels rather than working for someone doing, doing that <laughs> so they they're actually done their own success 
um and they're all really nice people and, and a pleasure to see that most of them uh are you know like a colin for example anyone who's met him will know that he is the guy that you see in the videos he doesn't try and put on an act you know yeah just generally nice see, guys i always wonder with with colin because he has he he comes across with so much enthusiasm and yeah uh that energy and it's like is he you know how can anyone be like that constantly <laughs> i mean don't me some people are some yeah. people are like that constantly yeah um it's just again it was just a curiosity i mean he was when we were at makers he was sort of sat around in and around us mm. and i kind like i was tempted to go over and say hi but i thought you know what he spent the whole day talking to people he clearly just wants to chill so just you know leave it at <laughs> that. Mean, he, um, he wasn't he then, wasn't able to construct complete sentences by the end of the show <laughs> it was so tired yeah, yeah. i mean I, the the other side of it as well he's he might have confused me for a taxi driver like another youtuber may or may not have done ah which i found quite amusing yeah and, uh, yeah but yeah that was i mean they're great people um yeah. it's just nice to chill not have to worry about you know being on camera although obviously a bunch yeah. of youtubers what are we going to do <laughs> it's, yeah yeah how that. many how many cameras were out at any one time yeah quite a lot oh, that took a bit. <laughs> but but it wasn't you know it was relaxed we were just had some pizza it was, it was just nice yeah yeah, nice yeah. But yeah I, I, every time we go to make a central or something like that always have massive imposter syndrome but this one was just on that next level yeah yeah but then again you have that imposter syndrome but realistically chris you know we've all seen you well, i say we've all seen your channel i would hope everyone's seen your bloody channel everyone's seen the type of stuff that you put out you know you are very much up there as one of the you know a really good content creator you know what you're doing in that space and you know you you're very capable yeah i now have to figure out an insult for you just to sort of, of humble you a little bit yeah, exactly well no i mean you not so much recently it, could, it should be yeah. said um I well, hopefully, I hopefully that now the inspiration of make central hopefully that's going to change definitely but you i don't know if i mentioned last time when i was on the show how i was taking on this new job it was if i think the last time it was just before you were taking on the job yeah i don't think you yeah. actually said that much about it and I, think I, I did say at the time, I'm going to go into this job, I'm going to do it, I'm going to be editing videos and filming stuff all day, and I'm going to come home and not want to, not want to do that. And lo and behold, yeah, it has sapped the, the motivation for that side of things. On the plus side, I've, I've made more things, been physically yeah. making more, because obviously it's completely different, so I've been in the workshop more, which is great. Yeah. But just not... Well, there is always that, there is that thing, isn't it, of... of... The time it takes to do mm. something versus the time it takes to do something and film it yeah yeah, yeah. the constraints of trying to film yeah it, i mean triple I, I think it triples the time even yeah. if you're not even if you're not even if you're getting every shot in the bag on the first shot if you're changing unless you're literally doing the sort of cctv style of yeah camera there that's it. I make the thing. Yeah, 
ignoring kind of editing time, if just talking about the making side of things, if you're maneuvering a camera around, if you're trying for different shots, you're still going to triple the time, even if you just get every every shot right first time, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even if you were to CCTV, like put a full CCTV array in, you'd the time you save in having the cameras preset, you would then add when you're selecting the right shot for the edit. So it, it it's a catch twenty two. You know, you you yeah. whilst you might save time in one area, you you're gonna add to it in a later area where you're picking through the footage. And it's yeah, it's time like like uh, you were saying to actually film a project it will probably add triple the time to whatever it may be and especially when you're in you know a small workshop with you know limited space and stuff piled across your workbench of the dozens of different projects that you've started and not finished i feel, I feel judged <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm saying nothing i'm saying i'm saying quiet on that one hey we've yeah. all been there We've all got half a dozen different projects. Been there. Still there. Yeah, never, yeah. never mind being there. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's plus sides, though. The, the motivation has been sucked a little bit. You, you know, you edit all day. You're not going to want to come home and do that. But I've become, like, really fast and really good at editing now. <laughs> I was I was going to ask that. Even though you've, you've lost maybe some of the motivation, yeah. if you now that you, you, you're reaching a point where with kind of you know, the inspiration from Maker Central, Mm. of wanting to get back into sort of doing stuff the editing process and, and probably the filming process too you, you bit, must yeah. have that down to a much smoother quicker operation now definitely yeah uh, and uh, um, yeah you, you also got complete creative control though so having those constraints in my day job knowing right i've got to film this i've got to say this about it and i, I can't have any nudity you know, having those constraints makes a really good video and it makes it really quick and easy to do. But then you open it up, it's like, right, I can have anything I like in this video. And you get your decision paralysis, don't you? And yeah. maybe you need to set your own constraints. Set your own constraints. Yeah. Rail back up, rail back on the nudity. Yeah. 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 Start with a no nudity rule and then work your way, way forward from there. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, I guess the trick. I mean, the, the trick really though is to is to have a separate camera person, isn't it? Yeah. 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 A lot. A lot of the big YouTubers have that, and they sometimes they even become a personality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, well, I don't know if you've seen yeah. some of his recent videos, but James uh, James Bruton made like an AI camera to try and do that. He filmed a couple of videos using it as well. Which is pretty, pretty well, awesome. Um, no substitute for a person. Yeah, yeah. Make a geek. Um, oh yeah, Dan. Yeah, name a Dan Make a geek. He did a um, an AI tracking camera with a remote control and had it on a gimbal and all sorts. Really cool project. And yeah. but his, yeah, he still uses it. Purpose, yeah, yeah, he still uses it. So it's probably worth looking into and i remember david Pichito saying that he hired a cameraman to help him film videos and it made his videos better because he instead of talking to the camera he was talking to the person behind the camera mm. which again 
works if you have that budget for it as well. Yeah. It's that's the other key aspect because you need to have the budget to be able to pay someone. I mean, he's, to do it. he's big enough to do that, but he also he, yeah. he had a limit of that camera person initially it was only available for one yeah. and he still does i don't know I, I don't really yeah i don't listen to making it anymore just because too many other podcasts um i'm pretty sure he only had him for one day a week and so that yeah. it was like a tuesday so he'd spend monday doing kind of prep and planning go and get timber and then tuesday he had to build and the build yeah. had to be done on tuesday and that way yeah, he had that constraint again, I suppose. He mm. wasn't worried about uh -huh. catching the images himself or the, the shots himself. So he was able to get on with that. So the project was, from a physical point of view, completed in one day, all recorded yeah. in one day. So then he had the, the remainder of the week to do the, the edits and the release and all the associated socials, etc. Um, and kind of, you know, blog posts and, and the like. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's I guess it's a, that is the process if you want to be a full-time content creator maker. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I know um, Matt from Not Enough Tech, who I think, uh, Chris, I don't know if you met him at uh, yeah, Magazine, he was doing the, the camera <laughs> stuff. So he's, yeah. a, he's a friend who I met at the Teesside Hackspace, um, shameless plug there. Um, and he does all of his own he doesn't have a camera person he does all of his own stuff but he is very much sat behind a desk or doing product review type shots even though he is a maker and he's bloody talented i don't know if I, you remember i showed someone doing a mars rover landing from a drone a few when the mars rover went back up so he 3d printed that from start to finish but he never recorded it and he never recorded the assembly or anything like that. He just did the the end product. And I was like, dude, you really should have done the full makery thing. And he he just didn't have the time to because he burns candle at both ends when doing his full time job and uh, being a maker, you know, being a content creator as well. And he does the blog post, the social media post, the whole nine yards. And it's yeah, again, there's a certain discipline to being a content creator that it's once you, I think once you're in the swing of it, you can automate it quite easily in your brain, but yeah. getting into the swing of it is I think quite difficult. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Totally. I think familiarity with a process can massively help in terms of, yeah, it's like, it's like, doing the podcast you know you get into a kind of routine of you know right let's create the the the, the three images the thumbnail and the, the two kind of instagram twitter posts images mm. yeah let's then you know generate the, the stream and it, it's you get into a kind of routine with with anything i, I think that's the same with any making thing any process where it doesn't matter if it's making or not if you can yeah turn it into a habit yeah. It becomes a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I've been in jobs where I've done the same thing day in, day out. Not the exact thing, but the same process day in, day out. And even though it's being done day in, day out, 
it still takes me about three to six months before I've really got it nailed down and I can pretty much do it in my sleep. And then I've seen others who they've been doing it every day for two years and they still haven't got it nailed down as efficiently in terms of their flow. And I'm like, and I've always thought, why is that? But again, it's because people operate differently. And, you know, for me, one processes are easy to learn and other people aren't as comfortable learning processes as others. So, um, yeah. but, and that could be yeah. it. It's simply it's just one's own uh, neurodiversity, neuro, the, how neurotypical is how that particular works. Yeah, yeah. Chris, what, what, um, what, yeah, what, what direction are you going to take? What you got a particular? Because I know you, you've you've been yeah. well, you've been getting into automata. Well, that that has always been the like the long term plan, right right from the start when I started the channel. I was like, I, I want to learn a little bit of wood carving. I want to learn how to do some mechanics. So showcase so I was already doing at that stage loads of 3D printing. I want to integrate my electronics into it. And I went to like learn all these skills and do all these things and eventually push that all into making automata. Um, wooden specifically, um, hence the name. Uh, yeah. And and just last year, was it the beginning of this year? I can't it, fairly fairly recently I did a course to give myself a kick up the bum. Cool. Uh, from the Cabaret Mechanical Theatre, if anyone's heard of them. They run a course called the Global Tinkering Workshop online, two hours a week. You meet, start learning about the mechanisms. You get to see some guest speakers tell you all their tips and tricks as well, which is quite nice. Some brilliant people there. Um, and yeah, that, that was enough for me to... I've made a couple, um, and a lot of my video ideas coming up are probably... Yeah, probably about half of them are now automata based. Oh, that's all. Cool. Yeah. I remember I, the... Yeah. Sorry, Chris, go on. Well, I, I, I was just saying, I, I realize they're never going to be like super popular, amazing videos that go viral, and I don't care. It's like, this, this, this is why I got into this, and this is why I'm doing it. It depends, yeah. What type of automata you make? Yeah. What, if there's a particular yeah. theme behind them, yeah. Oh, we mentioned earlier about no nudity, but yeah. And a nude automata, yeah, that could, uh, yeah, it could lead to some interesting things, but... yeah. And you say they probably like they might not go viral and whatever else, and just doing them for fun, but hmm. at the same time, there's people who we all know that have created videos and they thought this is going to be an awful video, and it's been the video that's blown up. So, and you know, it's that thing of until you put the content out there you don't know what it's going to lead to you don't know where yeah. it's going to go um, That's true. so yeah this is our way of kicking you up the arse and uh, <laughs> saying get all the videos out because i'm really curious to see what those automata are like um yeah, i've put a couple of little sort of a few snippets on instagram yeah but yeah there's there's quite a few crazy ideas in the works um i, I won't go into them now <laughs> Uh, tease, indeed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, every, everything so far, the, the, the wood turning, the, uh, the electronics, has all been leading towards that. And it's like, hang on a minute, why don't I just start doing that? Uh, and so I am. So I, I didn't really appreciate that. Because I, I knew you got into the automata 
I, I figured recently because I knew you, you'd done the course. Hmm. So, I mean, when I mean, when did you first sort of start thinking about automaton? You said, yeah, that's when you, you channel, you were thinking about that from the start. But I mean, automata is something you've always had an interest in? Is it yeah, not, not, it's solely automata, um, automata and mechanical machines. So, um, back in ooh, quite a long time ago, um, when Izzy Swan that was making like machines, and then around that same sort of time, the Strand Beast was out and about as well. If you remember yeah. that, which obviously is still, uh, and just looking at those, thinking, oh, I'd just love to make something like that. For those who for those who don't know, the Strand Beast mm. was a self-propelled, wind-powered, so wind-powered rather than self-propelled, but yeah. no motored, um, large-scale. Although you can do, you can they can be done small as well. Yeah, yeah. But it was a large-scale beast yeah oh, for want a better word that would, would normally be on the a beach somewhere literally yeah. kind of walking across a beach often at quite high pace often with huge numbers of legs yep yeah absolutely that are those are yeah and uh, as sort of before that i'd seen some artists like um paul spooner for example and always thought that's ah, so cool what he does he, he did he doesn't like try and make a message he just tells a joke with an automata okay not a name just, across before yeah there's some kind of silly premise and they'll go right i'll tell a joke using this little machine uh, and he's done some amazing stuff i mean similar sort of style um perhaps less mechanics more wooden uh to stuff that tim hunkin which i know you're familiar with yeah, I knew you were going to say that name as soon as you started saying that. I, thought, yeah. I know who's coming next. Yeah, because oh. you recently visited uh, Novelty. Yes. Novelty Automata, it's called. Novelty Automation in London. Yeah, they've got a um, on. They've got another site on the South Wold Pier as well. Uh, but yeah, there's one in Chance Chancery Lane, I believe. Yeah, uh, I think so. I'm not sure. Sort of near Holborn um, in London. And yeah. Yeah, it's so amazing. There's about 20 odd, no, probably more, 25 machines in there that are just mechanical marvels. Yeah. Uh, mostly, mostly done by Tim. Mm. Um, but for, for, for our, any, uh, we've mentioned Tim before. He's certainly mm. been a kind of attention grabber oh, a couple yeah. of times. But for anyone who's listening who's not heard of, of Tim Hunkin, he. I, uh, in some ways, he's, he's he's akin to sort of Adam Savage, in terms of yeah. skills, yeah, and knowledge. Not had the big, I, I say not had the big TV thing, but back in the early nineteen nineties, he had a couple of different series on TV. Uh, one was called The Secret Life of, and they looked into the ins and outs of things like the photocopier. The internal combustion engine, uh, the home, the, the office. Uh, there were various kind of mm. looking into it. They were, they were often, uh, they were, the, oh, I'm trying to think, they, they were animations, kind of uh, hand drawn animations that he did. I would call them explainer videos. Yes. It, it kind of, it kind of sounds like the How It's Made series before the How It's Made series. Yeah, but more British and yeah that kind of uh engine that kind of mad 
yeah british inventor oh look i'm going to take this photocopier and i'm going to turn it into a uh, a, a major in the army who sort of turns around and salutes and smokes yeah. a cigar and, and I, stuff like that it is he did a sewing machine made out of people to show how a sewing machine works so someone was handing them down the needle and some rope and it was just just really clever way of explaining stuff and, and his secret life of component series if you have not heard of or seen you really should check it out i mean yeah he had a 40 minute episode on springs and this will be stuff that you won't learn in university this will be stuff that you can only pick up after playing with springs for 50 years you know yeah, yeah that 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 was two series now i think of those yeah about yeah. eight eight episodes altogether there's about four or five one of these is springs screws yeah. and bolts and and the like and yeah for any maker any mm. sort of generalist maker those those that series that up to date actually only in the last couple of years yeah so worth watching it's an educational asset uh yeah. to kind of i defy anyone to kind of watch it and not learn something even if you've been making for yeah. 20 years 30 years yeah, chances they are of all something from uh, at least from all of them never mind yeah. yeah possibly if you specialized in one particular thing you might be good but yeah his his insider knowledge and that's why i think he's akin to kind of adam savage because he's got that mm. level of institutional making knowledge from decades of doing it yeah it's a it's a different experience being in that environment very different environments of making professionally yeah. and being able to sort of talk especially where you've had that longevity of a career as well where you've seen the evolution of how things are made and what they use for and all the rest of it is yeah that's always fascinating and Tim Hunting does have a YouTube channel and the videos are on there so there's a a vast array i mean i will be checking them out at some point because i still haven't since you first you the first time yeah recommended it um just going back to the automata sir yeah they've been around a long long time like there's um uh, yeah like century not just like they've yeah a long time but for some reason i barely ever come across them on the youtubes or the instagrams I don't know what I mean. Perhaps it's just the way I've worked the algorithm that can show me that stuff. But is there, like, is there a lot of people doing it, or is there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um. Ah, oh, I can't remember his name. There's a chap who just recently joined our Discord, Andy, um, who does some really good 3D printed ones. Uh, Mr. Volt. Could be. A name by, by his channel name <laughs> but yeah there's, there's a lot of people because um out there doing it but they're not ever massive wow look at this this goes viral sort of yeah, um, of course, yeah which is which is, which is a shame because yeah. the amount of skill that can sometimes go into these well, works of art basically yeah yeah um but it's, it's really weird as well and um, if you go back like to the 15th century and 16th century and there would be people making these things 
to such an amazing precise detail with so much going on inside and these there's, you know some of them are still around today and yet the stuff that i'm seeing being put out now is just very crude anyone can do it which is great of course but we seem to have lost a lot of those skills so there was a a guy called ismail al jazari and he was the yeah. uh those of Thomas Gordon, and again, sort of 11th, 10th century, around about that time. Yeah. Um, and I came across his work relatively recently, actually. And it was literally a tea serving robot. And he built it in the 10th, like in the 12th century or something. And I'm like, yeah. what? what? Bearing yeah. in mind how far we could, yet this guy was building these wonderful machines back then. And I'm like, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of talk about, like, yeah, the first programmable machine was in, uh, you know, no, no. Uh, go back to the 16th century and you've got effectively yeah. cams with a profile. Yeah. You could call yeah. that a piece of software effectively. Yeah. And that, and that would enable a automata to draw a different picture or write a yeah. different name or yeah, yeah. It's, a mechanical, it's a mechanical computer yeah it's amazing how much we've lost yeah. well i mean there's i mean there's an awful lot with that isn't there i mean the, the crusades mm -hmm. have got a lot to answer for in terms of yeah. uh, knowledge lost from the kind of you know the islamic uh nation nations i'm not sure Islamic yeah i mean it was so advanced in terms of medicine and technology yeah. uh yeah you talked about things like yeah the, the baghdad battery yeah so much was lost uh through you know the crusades and and yeah things like that that it set potentially you know how much further on would we be if that hadn't that particular thing hadn't happened yeah, if that technology had expanded further, yeah, we think about you know the study of electricity from a Western point of view. Yeah, if we, yes, there was the the, there was the ancient Greeks. Yeah, static electricity was known about yeah two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago. Uh, static electricity, yeah, you could say it's the fundamental of electricity. Yes, it is, and and we still taught that way. But then yeah, you think about current electricity. You're talking late eighteenth century. Yeah. yeah, late 1700s, before kind of electricity was being sort of studied again in kind of you know, the Western world. Yeah. Yet we know that there were things like, you know, essentially capacitors, Leyden jars, as, as they would be yeah. in the Western world, you know, centuries before um, yeah. in the Middle East. So, the, so one of the reasons for that is in the Quranic version, there are references to various scientific elements or particle physics for example where it there's a, a line is something a lot goes something where along the lines of um he he isn't god but people down with their smallest patterns and then using further film so anything that was referenced in the quran was then studied and then looked into and researched um, the canon of medicine, the very famous tome of medicine, and 
for years and years, it was a sort of text that was used for medicine for a long, long time. And it was, again, originated in the Spanish Empire. A lot of modern medicine comes from that, from that golden age of Islam. Like Andy yeah. said, the amount we've lost to war and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's a bit, it's, I mean, it's all a bit sort of, yeah, Let, let's take away from that. It's almost turning into politics because <laughs> you see some of the same sort of things happening again. But yeah, I, I don't think I'm an automatist. I'm Christian, right? It's been around for a long time. Yeah. It, does, it isn't something that, I mean, certainly there was sort of that heyday, perhaps in the Victorian period and early part of the 20th century because you didn't need motors. Yeah, often they were wind powered or or hand cranked. Sometimes sand powered. Uh, I saw an amazing okay. one recently that literally it would um, have a little bucket of sand. You turn it upside down, that sand would filter through and power a little wheel, and yeah. it'd be like a little juggling clown or something like that. And of course, <laughs> once once you'd finished, you'd turn it back around the other way, and the sand would filter back into the hopper. And uh, this is something from I can't remember exactly what century, but it was quite a few hundred years ago. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah the, like I say, there's so many that are out there and it's so interesting to see where we've come from and how certain things are just sort of reinvigorating themselves. How are you going to, Chris, how are you going to, you mentioned about kind of bringing in um, electronics. How are you going to go about doing that? Because I mean, traditionally, there, traditionally there aren't really yeah. many. No, I've seen a few. I've seen a few, particularly in places like museums, where you kind of have a, a light. You know, it was yeah, it's like you get eye on maps. You sort of like press the button, and a light will come on. And you know, nine times out of ten, they don't because somebody's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the kid who's been pressing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most of the time, they are hand cranked, of course, or, or sand or water or whatever. Um, but I, I love the idea of integrating the electronics something modern into them. Um, plus, of course, you then have the ability of being able to put them on display somewhere and have someone just push a button and activate the motor rather than yeah. them cranking away and potentially breaking the, the mechanism. Uh, mm. You remove that co human component and it becomes a little bit more rugged, perhaps. Uh, th the only trouble is, of course, you also lose that human touch because there's nothing quite like actually cranking that handle, feeling it you know the vibrations yeah. of it all working and seeing the mechanism and yeah obviously you lose a bit of that and there's a lot of stuff you can do with electronics as well that you couldn't perhaps do with just a mechanical machine um like one thing i was looking at recently is doing some uh, baby chickens um in eggs inside an egg box you, you open the egg box there's an ldr uh, for those electronics a light dependent resistor and that would detect the fact that there's light um and then of course that could activate the mechanism straight away and have these little things cheaping away nice such That's, a simple idea yeah. it's really easy the electronics you don't yeah. even need to use an arduino or anything like that you can no you can do it with a yeah yeah um what's you need a transistor transi um, transistor uh, maybe a op amp uh, operational amplifier little 555 or something like that because it's yeah 
10 billion different circuits out there for a 555 situation. <laughs> Chances are, it yeah. Could well, the, the 555 is timing. So, I mean, I'm going back to GCSE systems and control here. So <laughs> uh, it's been a few years. Uh, I think it's the 741 integrated circuit, which is the operational amplifier, which, that, would do, yeah. um, which you would be able to then wire into the uh, LDR and then with through the transistor circuit. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's been a few decades, so yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm digging into the old uh, so, the archives yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, could... you probably don't even need that. Like you said, just uh -huh. simply pick the right LDR or photodiode, yeah. transistor to act in as a switch. I think you'd have to, yeah, you'd have to have some kind of switch because yeah, I do believe I'm sort of completely wrong about this that the LDR detecting light will increase the resistance rather than decrease. Uh, LDR did when the light hits it, the resistance goes down. Oh, okay. So, because essentially, yeah. your an LDR essentially works by raising uh, conduction of valence electrons to the conduction band. So you're increasing the number of available electrons. So it's effectively making the resistance lower. So you might not need an op amp at all. No. Yeah. I think you could, think you could do it if you pick the right ones. You could do yeah. just a, stick that onto the. Uh, base of the or the gate of the transistor yeah so when the light and the resistance goes down the transistor then turns into a switch opens up and yeah turns into a switch yeah so yeah. you can I mean the other the one light. yeah the other way to do it as well is a, a pressure switch on the yep thing so lift the lid and then again uh brush that, that is the thing though switches sensors the, these are things that yeah you if you throw those into what's already a really amazing thing in a mechanical marvel then you can make yeah. something even better and more amazing yeah mm. limits just your imagination really yeah i i, I think it's i don't know if you'd call it an automata but you know talking about the electronics combined electronics it makes me think of mm. uh winter garden yeah um, it's a big marble machine which is just just fantastic i mean the, the whole kind of yeah. design i mean the first one was magical enough but the, the amount of work he's putting into the second one it's just phenomenal the fine tuning uh it's, it's just that extra level I and mean, it's it's not i don't know if it classifies an automata no i mean te technically it's not trying to present a character or no it, it's concept. purely about moving it, yeah. marbles around and then then creating a sound from it but it's doing it in a very but, uh attractive yeah. way magical Indeed. way to yeah yeah it yeah that that thing was mesmerizing i think is the only yeah. way to describe it when i for i think i was actually someone at work showed me it and they were like oh you'd appreciate this and i was like okay let's see and i was looking at it i was like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> i was just like nerding out completely uh, it's absolutely fantastic to see, and um, but yeah, uh, what you said it wouldn't be classed as an automata because it's not creating a character. Yeah, I mean, typically, I don't think anyone can completely agree on a definition. It has to be a character or a concept or a representation of something. But it, it it's basically along the same lines. You still got the mechanics yeah. and the mechanisms in it. It's still pretty damn amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, an, it's an electromechanical device. Yeah. Yeah. mostly mechanical which produces sound yeah, it's... I, yeah. yeah. I, 
have thought about making not anything like to that complexity because just i couldn't not anytime soon anyway eventually <laughs> maybe um but at the very least getting a little marble machine maybe making a gravity well because they're quite fun to watch uh with some yeah. and, uh, you could easily put that on the lathe uh, i think jp would yeah there's probably a few turners in there you could put that on the lathe and make a really nice gravity well yeah and That's then true. integrate that into a nice marble machine would yeah. definitely be yeah fun to try fun to do yeah that sounds like the sort of thing that would definitely be kind of something that would grab one's attention yes Nice yeah. segue. Nice. Be practicing, practicing, be listening yeah. to Steve and Rasmus. Yeah, get the segues <laughs> right. Chris, what's been grabbing your attention lately? Or what's going to be grabbing your attention? Because it doesn't have to be a, in the past, it can be in the future. Obviously, we talked about Automata, but yeah. What's, what's on your bench? What's on your mind? What's What do you want to share? A million things on my bench. It's just, it, it it's crazy. But that, there are a couple of projects that are right these are nearly done these should be videos and they're not actually automata at all they're they're very much do you know what i want to make my daughter some stilts because she asked me for some stilts so i've made her some stilts on the cnc um, nice. and when weather clears up a little bit we're gonna get those and take them out and have some fun so that nice that'll be a nice video if they're done on the cnc it'll still be an interesting video to watch yeah uh, a few weeks back, there was some people on stilts at the town hall. Um, they, there was a concert, I think. Was it a concert time? Yeah, there was a concert going on, and they were like jeering up the crowd. And they, these people like walking on stilts, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'd be able to do that. I don't think I have the balance to be able to, or the elegance to do it. I, I think I would yeah. just land like on a like in a pile. Uh, don't worry there's different ones you can get obviously you can get the ones that your legs strap into and make you super tall and if you do fall over that's it unless you're yeah <laughs> you're gonna yeah you can't get up on your own on those yeah. things now the ones I, i've made are poles so you can still hold on to them ah, give okay. you the extra balance yeah. and plus they've got hold positions so that they're set yeah. currently for six inches because i think that's enough <laughs> for now yeah. i don't want yeah. i don't want my daughter to face plant on the concrete yeah, they, yeah. i know it's a teaching moment but no <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they can just go up if she still enjoys them and wants to practice more and get better and better. Nice. Yeah, and she and she will, and it'll be scary as a parent. You'll be kind of going, "How high are they?" Uh... Yeah. And you're like, like he's speaking from experience. Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've modified them so they're actually higher than when you originally intended. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that um, can be. Yeah, also, I am, I am working on some automata. Um, I'm redoing the little Yoda Seagulls one um, and also taking from it all the lessons learned and just doing a string of short videos because there's so many little things that I've learned on doing that. It's like, right, that completely mucked up. I'm not going to do that again. I think it's definitely worth capturing. Uh, but yeah, um, I did a couple of bug hotels probably a couple of years ago and they they didn't sell at craft fairs. Not certainly not for the amount of um, money that I was charging for them, because the amount of work that sometimes goes into something and these things are mass produced. But they're sort of beehive shaped, and they lend themselves yeah. perfectly to being a nice box for automata. For the automata oh, yeah. to sit on the top, oh. and obviously a nice big area where you can see the mechanism. So I, I, yeah. I, I may have posted a while ago some little bees that I was working on, and I've, I've wood turned a little uh, hive, 
uh, and I've made a very bad attempt at carving a bear, and I think uh, having a few bees buzzing around, and that uh, could be quite fun. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And that's I'm good. also completely off on a complete tangent working on a little go-kart as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Electronic-powered dr- or petrol? Dr- or? Drill-powered works. They were a very nice company. They they sponsored a few videos. They keep giving me free tools. They've given me two drills to make. Because uh, normally you see drill-powered go-karts with just the one. But I'm going to use two. Ah. Throw myself okay. in the deep end. Do something that's yeah. going to have so, all Differential skid steering? Or, or are we looking at four-wheel drive? Was, no, I was thinking a differential would be probably outside my comfort zone too far uh, i don't mind going outside the comfort zone a little bit uh but no um just literally one on each wheel with a chain system as well um and then going out there and doing a little bit of drifting and having a bit of fun mm. cool. yeah and if it works maybe building one for the my little girl <laughs> let's see with a lot more side protection in Roll cage. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. I've I've got it's summer holidays, so I've got a week off now with her. So I'll probably be doing some making with her. Enjoying my time. Good. Yeah. yeah. Nice. The best type. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz, what about you? What's been grabbing your attention? So the past week I've mostly been ill, uh recovering from blue, unfortunately. Um uh, my uh, NAS arrived sort of back end of uh, last not last week, the week before, and I've been tinkering and learning all NAS-related stuff. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been fun to sort of figure out, ooh, I have all this storage space now. I don't need yeah, all the storage space. For non-techies, NAS is network access storage? network attached storage so it's a giant hard drive that's accessible via a network and then you can access it externally as well if you wish to and the idea is that i'll have multiple backup systems so i have my laptop my phone that i'm back up to that so i have control of it but then i also can back some of that data up to a cloud service such as google drive or OneDrive or any number of different services that are available um, more for one for data security, but also just to have that more robust system of organizing files and making use of what I have access to and what I know I'm able to actually do. Um, and I was in a, I'm, again, I'm quite in a fortunate position, which allows me to do that at the moment. So it's kind of like, well, if I do it now, I don't need to do it in a few years' yeah. time where I may not be as comfortable. So it's like, right, take the plunge and, you know, uh, the person, uh, Jamie, whose seat I'm taking, in case anyone hasn't realised, I'm not Jamie, by the way, I'm Cuz. Hi. Uh, we did mention it. Yeah, I thought we did. <laughs> um, yeah, Jamie, you know, he's had his some of his Nazis for, like, nearly 10 years or something. So... Mm. And some of them are still going strong. So he's it's an investment. To, uh, to us yeah. lot as well. So we're, we're exactly. occasionally going on there and stealing bits. 
You're going to do yeah. the same, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, no, I'm not going to do the same. But ask me again in a non-public forum. Oh, of course. That's in the after show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's going to take a bit of time to set up. I've, I, yeah. I do. I've, I've actually got one of Jamie's old ones, uh, yeah. but it's still sitting in the box. I haven't done anything with it. Maybe that's something to do with some holidays. Uh, Andy, what's been things. grabbing your attention? Uh, well, uh, marking finished. So I got the, the the marking finished, which I think I mentioned last week anyway. But so this week it's been amongst other things, but mostly sorting out the tinkerage. I've got the, have got the air cleaner up. So that's in position. Yeah. Uh, I've had a rejig storage and a shelf and various other bits. And now I've got to just try and get the stuff out of the conservatory to keep my wife happy and you know, get uh, hopefully get the workbench clear. And so it's just it, it's a few tedious things to do because you know things like this, you know, screwdrivers. I need to just get a new screwdriver holder and um, yeah. actually sort of fitting things in. I still need to make a. a turning tool chisel kind of holder for my turning tools uh obviously because yeah. um, they're they're also just bundled up on the, the worktop at the moment which is not yeah. in any way ideal uh so not quite sure how i'm going to do that yet but plastic pipe seems to be a popular option for mm. turning tool holders. yeah i don't have uh suitable vertical space Oh, okay. uh, they're too long to I've got some things mounted horizontally in tubes, things like hammers mm. now that's okay because they're generally quite short but yeah, when you think, yes like my bowl gouges are best part, two feet long yeah yeah, that's, that's quite a lot of space sticking out so probably at the men's shed, I made a rack that stood vertically with the kind of tips of the tools vertically as well. With kind of just essentially just two uh, two pieces of timber held in a frame uh, with a hole. So the handles go into the hole. There's another piece at the bottom, which has got an indent rather than a hole. And it just sits in there. And that, that works quite nicely. Um, but I don't have the wall space for that. So I've got, I've got some thinking to do. Uh, but do you not mount it on the front of your workbench? I, the, uh, the problem with that is then it makes accessibility to the things behind because I need the space underneath workbenches. So, so that, uh, I've got I've got a couple of ideas. Yeah, I was going to say. Doing doing <laughs> I've got the wall space. I really haven't got the wall space. No, no, din rail on your workbench, and then you yeah. can slide your rack backwards and forwards depending on yeah i get again you're overestimating the amount of workbench i've got on the number of tools i've got so yeah, if I put... yeah ceiling space haven't you ceilings mostly taken up with lights and clamps ah i mean i wouldn't suggest putting wood turning yeah. tools on the ceiling because that's just uh, asking, it's asking for trouble yeah <laughs> and that's, that's, the other, that's the other thing i mean like, yeah. The, at the men's shed, when I took the tools were on a rack behind the lathe, point upwards. You know, you know mm. one of the guys was like, "Oh, we're having the point upwards. That's be really dangerous." Well, yeah, but the point's going to be above your head, and the handle is actually in arm's reach. So you have to just put your arm out, hold the handle, lift up eight inches. Mm. Yeah, and there's enough space to do that, and then it's actually ready to use. Yeah, you, know, you then put your other hand on it, and 
the tool is actually ready to use while you're sort of turning. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to lose quite a lot of wall space. I'll come up with something. I always yeah. do. It just <laughs> might take two years. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah. was thinking just just on the wood turning tools myself of having something that like on a tool roll that unraveled, but a solid tool roll. So it didn't take up much space. And when I needed it, when I was doing the turning, it just and sort of. That's a, and that, that that's a kind of possibly the other possibility I've got currently to the right of my lathe. I have a space yeah. where my bandsaw lives, and underneath I've got two kind of thoughts with that. Underneath the bandsaw, I've now got a set of drawers. Some of the tools could fit in drawers, but I don't like that idea because they need to be accessible. Mm. And most of them actually don't because the drawers aren't deep enough. But directly underneath the kind of the edge of the bench the bench overhangs the the worktop overhangs the bench structure bench frame now at the moment i've got some sheet materials under there but if i can find somewhere else for the sheet materials then i might be able to have almost like a, a pull out uh trolley mm. yeah. rack almost a bit like a wine rack maybe vertically so the tools then are actually pointed down but in holders so that the points aren't resting on anything so I can then just grab them and because it's only because they're only my tools I will know which tools are where and it, yeah you haven't got that kind of oh wrong one you, you get used to where the tools are so I might might do something like that but I, I'll, probably your best shout yeah let's let's go on to the um Chris, where, where can folk find you if they don't already know, if they haven't watched episode two, uh, not really following you, where can they find you? The uh, best place is the YouTube channel. Nice and easy, YouTube. Uh, well, you're going to post links in the chat, aren't you? I am, yeah. 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 Everything else is what just... All, yeah, it is the witch in there in most places. Um, and most places are just purely to promote the channel or just send out a few random thoughts the the main channel is where it's at cool on youtube and if anyone hasn't listened to episode two of makers waffle i would recommend going back and having a listen because it is an excellent opening intro to the makers waffle podcast series yeah please see how things have changed as well yeah if I didn't have about 500 yeah. episodes of other stuff i wanted to listen to on my own podcast <laughs> i might go back and re-listen um, but I, I rarely listen to, I rarely read books twice, never mind listen to podcasts twice. Uh, I've only done it once or twice. Uh, it's a rare thing to do. Anyway, we're going to say goodbye to the, the main show now. We're going to hang on here and dive into the after show for the patrons. So, bye, folks. Bye for now. Cheerio.